Hey, it's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. Again, uh, I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And we are back to talk photography with you. And it's good to be uh, back and uh, enjoying this time and uh, getting ready for our infrared workshop next week. It's going to yep. be fun down in Tucson. We've been spending a lot of time on that. Um, working our butts off on it. <laughs> well, you know, there's a... There's something, there's some truth that if, if you really need to know something, if you, you have to be able to teach something, you really have to know it in and out. It's one thing to kind of know what you're doing. It's another thing to be able to communicate that to others. And that's, it takes a special talent to do that. I'm not saying we're specially talented, of course, but (laughs) we're, we're trying our best, but we've got a lot of content for our clients um, coming up in about a week. So that'll be fun. Um, Looking forward to uh, trying out some, some new, uh, new capture options with some different wavelength infrared too. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do we got today? Yeah, it's a fun place to go to Tucson. Is oh nice. yeah. Oh, beats being here in the winter. That's for sure. Good God. <laughs> Minus eight been... wind chill yesterday. No. <laughs> awful. Just to be clear. I love Colorado, but it is nice to go to warm places in the winter. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. So what, right. what, what do we have for today, Rick? Well, two things. One that we hinted at last week, you got a loner lens from B and H, the Nikon slash Tamron seventeen to twenty eight two eight that you've it's been Nikon, playing. but yes, we. I call it the Nikon slash Tamron. Just but it to, says Nikon on it, so I know. So you know. <laughs> yeah, it's made in the Tamron. Factory. I know. I know. It's a good and lens. I, I think that's all. I think that's the point. But don't go looking for it under Tamron. You have to look no, for no, it under no. Nikon. Yeah. That's yeah. a seventeen to twenty eight two eight, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit of both infrared and visual performance. And then, um, then we're going to do a little bit more about adapted lenses. We a little fall a little out bit last short week. on time and, and then you got inspired and, and got something. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, my, so our podcast cool. was my own worst enemy. Yeah, uh, we're frequently our own worst enemies. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was, I think in this case, it was justifiable. Oh uh, yeah. In this particular instance, so Especially we'll talk about when people hear more about it. Yeah, and this will mostly align with using older manual focus lenses mm-hmm. on newer mirrorless cameras, which is very doable. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this this I, I I wanted to test the Nikon uh, seventeen to twenty eight uh, two eight, which, as you mentioned, is manufactured uh, in Tam by Tamron, but it's Nikkor branding on it. Um, there is a Tamron equivalent for other mounts, but this one, this one says Nikon on it. Um, I wanted to try it cause it's a relatively new lens. It pairs nicely in a lineup that includes the Nikon 28 to 75, which is also produced by Tamron. And then on and, the road, and that's one that we both use for infrared. Yeah. It's actually very pleased infrared. with. Right. And then on the roadmap, the, as of yet, not released, but, but it's on the, the map. There's a, um, was it a 70 to 188, right. And all of these are most likely going to be, um, uh, 67 millimeter front filter type lenses, a little more compact than the equivalent of the, the, the other Nikon F two eights. So Nikon offers a, for Z, they offer a, a 14 to 24 two eight 
a, a 24 to 70 to eight and a 70 to 200 to eight. They're all wonderful lenses. They're huge. Mm -hmm. They're very large. They're very heavy, especially that 14 to 24. We tested it. And I mean, it's a beast and requires very some, good lens. Yeah. I mean, just outstanding, outstanding mm -hmm. lens, but it, it, it has some quirks to it, especially with the front element with filters and, and things like that. Whereas this little, this little guy, the 17 to 28, um, it's pretty svelte. Um, it, it weighs, uh, just under a pound. Um, I think it's 450 grams or something like it's like 15.9 ounces or something yeah, like that. That's it's a sweet. Nice it's a 67 millimeter front filter, which is not going to break the bank. If you want to use a, something like a ND filter or a polarizer or whatever. Um, it's a, it's a more traditional super wide zoom range. 17 to 35 was a very classic, wide zoom for a long time that was uh an available you would have a very a very common kit was 17 35 28 or 24 to 70 and then 70 to 200 or even 80 to 200 just depending on how old your lenses were and you know when when you got them and that was considered by a lot of people to be sort of the 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 trilogy the trifecta kit right that was your three zoom the kit. holy trinity right um yeah and i i used different variants of that kit for decades and they were great so i want to talk about this lens a little bit just by itself and then maybe put it into context of, of other things right so i haven't done the you know extreme nitinoid testing because our weather hasn't really been conducive to that. Um, but I've done some test shots with it. And what I can say is that, um, you know, it's very sharp. It seems very good. Um, you know, it seems to be, you know, at least in the visible um, spectrum, it, it seems to be very sharp. In fact, it even might be a little sharper than my 14 to 30 that I have, mm -hmm. um, which is an F4 lens. Uh, we'll get to that later. What I really like about this lens, though, is the, is the handling. It's not heavy. It's got a more or less internal zooming design. The barrel length doesn't change. So while it's a little bit longer than my 14 to 30, it's a lot narrower. The lens hood is, is, is just slim on it. It doesn't protrude. 14 to 30 has a 82 millimeter front filter. Um, but this handles very nicely. It's very smooth to use in the hand. It balances very nicely on both my Z6 and my Z9. So, I have not handled it, but I'm presuming from photos and your description that it probably feels very much like the 28 to 75 to 8. It absolutely does just a little bit shorter. It's just a little, yeah. a little lighter. And that, and that lens feels very nice. It it's a solid. nice diameter. It, it does it not just... feel cheap. It no, feels, it's a nice handling lens. So no, it's a very sure well, this is well put together lens. It's got a nice curved front element, uh, multi-coated as you might expect. I have a hunch it will do very nice for things like starburst point source uh, flares, but I haven't tried that yet. But mm -hmm. that's my guess. Usually these lenses with the curved front elements do pretty well for that. So I'm going to look to see how it handles flare, but... So far, all of the Nikon Z lenses with their coatings have been very good for this. Um, so I'll look. Um, and so generally speaking, I like it. It's got, it uses a stepper motor. It's fast, fast autofocus. Nice lens. Yeah. And, and this one has been around for a little while in a Sony mount. So one of the things I did um, check on was 
performance for astrophotography. Oh, yeah. You know, the weather's not been conducive for no. it. Um, but apparently it does pretty well in terms of coma and stuff like that. That's good. Yeah. So, so that, that's a nice little discriminator that it could work well for for right. astro landscapes. So I think the obvious comparison for the moment, um, if we take away the Nikon uh, 14 to 24, which is uh, more than double the price of these lenses, mm -hmm. the, the one you're probably comparing this to from a budget standpoint is the 14 to 30, which we both own and we both mm -hmm. like. Uh, the 14 to 30 is a little bit more compact, although the barrel zooms out when you zoom it. So it does get longer. In fact, it gets longer than the 17 to 28 at certain focal lengths, right. um, which usually isn't a big deal in the, in the field. It's the, what you're w worrying about is packing it in your bag, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing. Um, so what are the, the, the major differences? Obviously, um, you know, one is the range. So 14 to 30 is a much wider range, of course, 14 millimeters being extremely wide, um, you know, very wide angle of view compared to just 17. And then, of course, the the 30 millimeters on the long end can be nice because it, it gives you a little overlap maybe with your 24 to 70 or in this case, maybe the 28 to to uh, 75 or whatever. So that that's kind of nice. Um, the 14 to 30 has the... Uh, autofocus, manual focus, override switch on the barrel, whereas mm -hmm. this one does not um, have that. Um, you'd have to do that in software. That's not a big deal for me at all. Um, they both have the focus ring closer to the body than the zoom ring, which sort of is the new normal. Neither of us like that, but that's how it is. Right. It's not too bad on these because the lenses aren't that aren't that long. Sure. The physical size. So. Where I think the 17 to 28 has some advantages. It's $150 cheaper than the 14 to 30. It's F2.8, which gives you some options. And, and one thing I would suggest people think about is Nikon did this with the 28 to 75. They dropped the price, put it on sale not too long after it came mm. out. It was priced appreciably more than the Sony at its regular price on the, with the sale mm. price that approached the Sony yeah. amount, it was maybe still a hundred dollars more. It, it can fluctuate. It, it could happen with this one too. Yeah. We don't can't, know that it will. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't have any information that suggests that the Sony mount know. is cheaper for sure. Right. Right. So, so right now compared to the 14 to 30. So if you don't have a super wide lens and you're thinking about adding one to your collection, then we have some questions, right? You know, there's some legitimate things. So the, mm -hmm. the this newer lens has, uh, it's F2.8, meaning that astrophotography becomes a potential application. Whereas with an F4 lens, it's probably not ideal. Yeah, you uh, can do it, but it's a little bit tougher. You're gonna be pushing your ISOs higher. Um, this lens has nine aperture blades versus the 14 to 30 has seven. They're both rounded. Nine blades can potentially lead to some more pleasing out-of-focus bokeh, that kind of stuff. Just nicer. This is not a portrait lens, but you could you can imagine mm -hmm. using it for maybe family group photos or something like that. Or, or if you were shooting, let's say, some wide-angle landscapes where you had wildflowers really close, mm -hmm. and then you wanted a, a softer background, yeah, and it, it's going to look pretty good, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely sharp. So that, that, you know, optically speaking, 
I think the edge may go slightly to the 17 to 30 based on or 17 to 28 based on my non-scientific observation. I'll have to follow up with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it weighs a little lighter. The 14 to 30 is fractionally heavier. It's not, not that different. Uh, on the other hand, the 14 to 30, uh, you know, the, you know, I, I think it uses those 82 millimeter front filters, which I get it, <laughs> but they're awfully expensive if you want to use filters. Good news is a lot of times you don't need to use filters these days, but a 67 millimeter front filter is a much more budget conscious decision than an 82, than a lens that takes 82 millimeter filters. Now, going for the 14 to 30, um, like I said, I think the range is more useful if you're doing a lot of interiors, landscapes, tripod mounted things where you don't need the absolute speed of an F2.8. Um, 14 is just crazy wide and, and it's really good. So I think I like, I prefer the zoom range on the, on my 14 to 30, if I had to pick one. I'm pretty sure that would be the case for me too, for a couple reasons. You know, and they, they both, you know, are going to handle flare well that, you know, they, they both test and spec out quite well. So, so I think it really just comes down to your personal needs. If you've already got a 14 to 30, I wouldn't replace it. <laughs> okay. I just wouldn't, unless you really, really wanted an F2.8 option uh, for like one of those reasons we mentioned, then, mm-hmm. then this is, this is nice, but it's, um, and I tested them both in infrared, which was my initial uh, impetus for, for this test. And they're both good. But the 17 to 28 isn't any better than the 14 to 30. They both have a little bit of that mild center brightness at 720 nanometers that we see with a lot of lenses that go wide. Yeah. Um, it's not insurmountable, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is a gem. <laughs> you know, so right. so for me personally, I don't see buying this because it's not going to fit in my kit um, in any way that's better than what I've already got with my 14 to 30. That's that's my initial impression review. Yeah. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think so. I think that's that's pretty clear. You know, one of the things I personally look for with zooms, I actually like some overlap between focal length ranges. Yeah. And while I know I can go with gaps, and I do, because I shoot with primes at times, if I'm shooting with zooms, I don't like to get in that situation where I've got a landscape shot where I've got it lined up just perfectly. And then I, I find the focal length is right around that transition zone. Between yes. Lenses. Right. That'll drive me nuts. It's, you know, it's so, where you're at 70, but you need 80 and to get 80 means you're now putting on a much larger telephoto zoom, mm-hmm. like at a 70 to 200, which I found to be maddening out in places like South Dakota. And it's one reason why I love the 24 to 120 range so much. Right. And if I really want to go long, then, okay, I'll get out a longer lens. Yeah. And my first choice, you know, in a wide angle zoom would be something that would get up to even 35 if I mm-hmm. could. And well, it's the, just nice. In the past, we both used that um, 16 to 35 range. And I think you still have something in that range for your Sony, right? Yeah. So 16 to 35. That's a, that's a great range. Oh yeah. And that's a great lens too. Cause you can be up around 28, 35. And then if you find yourself there, okay, maybe I'll switch to my 24 to 70 or you mm-hmm. know, whatever, if you need to, no, it's, it's nice. a good point. Okay. Um, so that's, that's that one. And, and again, thanks to the folks at B and H for loaning us this lens. Cause it is a very nice lens. Um, and I'm glad I got to opportunity to test yeah. it. 
it'll be a really good choice for, for certain people. I think so. So then last week we were talking about portrait lenses and we were getting into some options, you know, how can you do portrait lenses maybe with spending less money, getting good lenses. And we had talked about using manual focus lenses with adapters. Um, and while we didn't really get into it, we were having and this a is specifically on mirrorless cameras because yeah. they're so much easier to well, and that's part of this, too. right? That's part of this discussion. And we talked about it a long time ago when we were starting to talk about mirrorless cameras. One of the things about mirrorless cameras is that they're very easy to use with an adapter with older manual focus lenses from not just from that manufacturer's brand but even potentially from other brands. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, focus contacts and, and anything like that. They will meter just fine. You lose, I mean, you, you have to use the aperture ring manually. You won't get that EXIF data transmitted, but you can use them. And one of the reasons you can use them is not only because they're easily adaptable, but also because the viewfinder and mirrorless cameras let you do some stuff that you just wouldn't have been able to do on a DSLR. I remember a long time ago, it's a true story. We used to talk about this all the time. You know, why get a Nikon digital camera? Well, you could use all your older manual focus lenses, right? Mm -hmm. This was a thing we used to talk about. It was one of this, why the F mount was so sacrosanct, <laughs> nothing against the F mount. Um, but in practice, we didn't really do them. We didn't right. use them. And the reason was is because the, the viewfinders, the focusing screens in DSLRs aren't made to really assist you with manual focus. They're not quite as good. No, they're as the it, older cameras were. Right. Because the that. older cameras were were designed with focusing aids like split image viewfinders and things like that. So moving to mirrorless you have some, some tools and we'll get into them. So we were anyway, we're having this sidebar conversation because you sent me an article uh, about one of the all-time legendary Nikon portrait lenses. Mm -hmm. the, and it was the 105 F2.5. And it came in a variety of flavors. They manufactured them starting in the late 60s, I believe, right? Um, well, I mean, I know that... Oh. Early. Or even earlier, earlier than that. Yeah, it's just been a, a timeless design. Um, yeah. It's certain things have changed over the years. So I'm embarrassed to say, over the years, I've owned five different versions <laughs> of oh my. lens. I still have two. Okay. So we were talking about this, and it's 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 one of these classic lenses. Uh, it's a classic portrait focal length. It's manual focus. Um, just wonderfully constructed solid metal constructed depending on how old or new right so we're talking about this and you were you sent me this article about how my goodness this lens holds up even with digital it's sharp at the edges across the frame it's outstanding i mean just just crazy so what's the drawback the drawback is you have to focus manually and you don't get some of the exif niceties mm -hmm. um you sent me i mean and i kind of knew this but one of the world's most famous photos ever was taken with a ver version of this lens, right? Right. And that's... Uh, the Afghan Girl by Steve McCurry. Yeah, Steve McCurry's... I mean, it, which I mean, is just an iconic shot. Right, the and green it's beautiful. eye. And it was with one of these uh, versions of these lenses. So I started poking around, you know, looking at used stuff. And I come across a copy of this lens, which was the PC designation. 
vintage, probably 1973, 74, somewhere in there. So it was in good condition. And I is it okay? I take a flyer on it. It wasn't too expensive. Um, and so it just came yesterday, last night. It's in mint condition. I mean, this thing is wonderfully pristine. And so I put it on my Z9. I put it on my Z6 with the FTZ adapter. And Oh man, it's just so smooth. It's just wonderful. And I got to play with it more, but I could already tell that, you know, the way it renders the out of focus highlights is just yeah. perfect. Right. I mean, it's just really, really nice. Yeah. I got my first one used, which looked absolutely identical to the one that you bought. I mean, you cannot tell the difference between them, the, even the same condition and everything. I would have sworn you got my old lens. Yeah, you never know. Um, but I remember, you know, this was in the 80s when I got it. Um, it was used. And and the shots that I made with it just right off the bat, you know, portraits and stuff were just gorgeous. And then, you know, for shooting other things like landscapes, sharp as heck and just so nice. The problem I had and the reason I had multiple versions is I would use it in 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 spurts kind of, and then stop for a little while. And when I stopped for a little while, I would think, well, maybe I could sell it, make some money off of it. Cause I always got them at ridiculously low prices, like $15, wow. $20, something like that. And then I would sell it. And then, you know, six months later go, damn, why'd I sell that? Right. <laughs> right. Buyers, sellers remorse. So I'd find another one for $10 and I was back in business. It was funny. Well, I'm looking Finally, I got to the to... point where with an AIS version, I said, I'm just not going to sell this. There you go. And the one that I have is the um, kind that has the scalloped metal mm -hmm. focusing ring rather than a rubber grip, which right. came a little bit later, although they're very similar um, or otherwise practically identical. Optically identical. Um, yeah. And the one that I have has the PC. There was a P. And then there was a PC and the C is meant it was multi-coated, which is nice because that, you so, know, if I had to pick one, I would pick well, a multi-coated. Nikon one. trivia. What's the P for? I have no idea. I Penta. can't. Oh, okay. Five elements. All right. Yes. And, and you look at these <laughs> lenses, I use five elements in three groups or something like yeah. that. It's like, wow. You know, looking at some of these newer lenses where it's, you know, 15 elements and 11 groups. Yeah. <laughs> or if whatever. you see an H, it means six elements for hexa. Okay. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Nikon trivia. So, so here I have this lens, you know, it's got all the nice stuff, you know, depth of field scale markings on it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it works really nice. However, if, so what, so here's this classic lens and there's other ones out there and you can, you can look them up and you can sometimes get them for fairly decent prices. It just depends on the, on the condition. Um, but if you're going to use a manual focus lens on your mirrorless camera. There are some things that you should know about, right? A couple mm -hmm. setup things and tips or tricks. Um, and I'll start with a setup thing. Um, one thing you can do, at least I know with Nikon's, probably others, is you, it, there's an option in the menu system on Nikon cameras where it says non-CPU lens data. Mm -hmm. And that's lenses that aren't autofocus. They don't have a chip in them. And so you can tell it and you can, you can assign multiple lenses. You know, you have a couple of banks for this, but you can tell it the focal length and you can tell it the maximum aperture. Now the lens won't 
report the actual aperture that you set to the camera, but at least when you get it into your browser, you know, viewing your image, you'll, you'll know it was with a 105.25 and you know mm -hmm. what lens it uses. Because reality is most of the time you don't really care what the aperture is unless you're doing diagnostic stuff. So it's fine. Sure. So that's, that's just a setup thing. It's not mandatory, but it is certainly useful down the road. But let's talk about the things that you can do if you're from a practical use when using a manual focus uh, lens on a, on a mirrorless body. And the first is a focus assist mechanism. Um, and I think you can probably describe it better than I can. And that's focus. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there, there's several ways you can go depending on what you're using the lens for with focus peaking. Um, that's the idea that areas that are in sharp focus that have high contrast will get color laid over them. That yeah, whether like edge you, highlights. Yeah, edge highlights. Whether you're um, looking through the EVF or just at the LCD display in the back. And so you can, you know, turn the focusing ring and and see via colors what's in focus and what's out of focus. Mm -hmm. That works okay. I think that's fine for um, shots where you're stopping down a little bit However, if you're using this lens and using it for portraits and, and you're trying to shoot, you know, wide open or close to wide open and get the eyes in sharp focus, what I find helpful, and this will work with any camera I can think of, you move your focusing area over to the eyes. Hopefully you've got a button that you can assign that, assign that will zoom you into 100%. You do that, focus, take the shot. You know, what I try to do is get it all composed when it's in a non-magnified view. And mm -hmm. so all I'm doing is just touching up focus. And I'll also make sure I'm not swaying back and forth where my subject isn't swaying back right. and forth. You can see that and get the shot. I usually don't use focus peaking when I do that. It's just simply the magnified view. That, that's enough. Although, you know, I'm looking through my lens right now you can use focus peeking with that. Oh, sure. With sure, the sure. zoom view, it, it is a possibility. And then the other nice thing- I just find it distracting. These, yeah, with the manual lenses, the, <laughs> the nice thing about it is once you've set the focus, it's not gonna it's move. You, you can always zoom back out and recompose and your focus point doesn't change. So if, if, as long as you're not moving too much and your subject isn't moving too much, it works pretty well. Yeah, it, we talked about it, I think, when we were talking about film cameras, the, the little secrets that a lot of people don't know that, you know, one, if your distance isn't changing, you don't need to refocus. You just focus once and then shoot all you want, as long as you don't change distance. Um, it, that makes things pretty easy. And then the second thing is exposure. If the light's not changing, you don't need to change your exposure. Right. You just leave it. Now, even though these lenses aren't connected by any kind of electrical context, they meter just fine. Yeah, so they, one, one they're like an to, old spotmatic where they meter spot stop down. Yeah, with and the lens diaphragm closed. One thing you'd probably want to do, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Rick, is focus with the lens a little bit more open. Um, because if you do have it stopped down, you're going to be getting an automatic depth of field preview, and that can sometimes lead to some some focusing errors. Am I am I right? Yeah. Now. With this lens, it's not a problem. With some lenses, if you focus wide open and then stop down a couple you stops, a you'll get a shift in focus. And that's just something that you have to experiment with. 
there are some nice lenses that that will do that this isn't one of them yeah well the focus peaking part can get fooled when you're stopped down because yeah. the depth of field becomes so much greater mm-hmm. and that's just a thing you have to deal with um but but one nice thing about these is that um you know they're just it, the these uh you know oh the other thing you can you know like you mentioned just being able to zoom your viewfinder to one to one and if you're going to be using these lenses a lot that's a nice customization to assign to a button somewhere on whatever camera you might have yeah so you press a button it goes to 100 percent. you can focus on that eyelash or whatever it is you want um and especially if you're shooting fairly shallow depth of field and it works, it works really well. So those two things, being able to know where your focus peaking settings are, because some cameras will let you change the sensitivity of it. Some cameras will let you change the color. So you can use white or yellow or mm-hmm. purple, or whatever, blue, whatever color blue, or, blue or red. Um, so those are, those are all preference things, but these become very nice options that you can use for specific applications um, or just because you want to have fun. <laughs> That's another, you yeah. know, and we shouldn't overlook that. No, and I've, I've got a, as is probably obvious, I've got a bunch of old manual focus lenses of differing brands, certainly not just Nikons. I've got Olympus and Canon and Pentax and others. And um, some of them, you know, have reputations for being good for infrared. So, you know, I, I just played a little bit with a, an old Olympus 24 2.8 manual focus lens on the Z6 infrared body. And it did well. That's know? great. It's not as flexible, you know, as the zooms that we typically right. use. Those are awfully nice, but, you know, I may play a little bit more with it. Well, there well, are some cool things about them. One, one thing we've sort of hinted at in the past when it comes to infrared, and I know this isn't our topic for the week, but so much of the newer lens designs, especially these mirrorless designs, uh, on the wider side of things, rely on optical coatings to to get edge sharp, corner sharpness and things like that. And, and those coatings don't always perform with infrared. And so that's where you get unevenness or you get really smeared corners because they're not sharp anymore. Some of these older lenses can do quite, quite nicely because they, they just weren't using those kind of new coatings to rely on things. Now, what I will say is with the Olympus 24 that I've tested with the Z6, it's certainly very sharp in the middle. It's, it's good across the frame, but even at F8 or F11, you get a loss in corner sharpness, but it's not bad. It happens with almost everything of that focal length with infrared. It's just the nature of the beast. So from what I've seen so far, it could work nicely if I want to play more with that. Well, I, I just like the idea of having um, something like this classic portrait lens, you know, one of the finest, by some people would say one of the finest portrait lenses ever made. Yeah. You know, certainly in a, in a in rarefied air. I got it for just over $100, <laughs> including shipping. Um, and I can actually use it on my modern cameras now in ways that it would have probably not gotten use with my DSLRs. Right. And, and so that's, that's kind of great that I have a lens that's, this lens is probably a right around 50 years old. Cause I was looking at the serial numbers and it's a fairly low serial number. They came out in early 1973. So 
given that this probably came out between 73 and 74 when it was made in Japan and I can put it on a brand new, you know, modern camera mm-hmm. and get great results with it. Yeah. So fun stuff. Yep. It is. I think you'll have a good time using that lens, especially for portraits. Yeah. I think that's what I'm most looking forward it's, to. It's just so cool. All right. I don't think there's much else to discuss, but of course, if um, we screwed up or you want to drop us a note, do so over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors. And until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.